700 footprints between your front porch and mine. We have 18 years to count them up in time. Welcome to this episode of The Art Box, recording from the 39th Annual Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Elko, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association provides creative opportunities for all ages. Get creative with us at the Mesquite Fine Arts Center, located at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartscenter.com, or on Facebook, The Art Box. What's your last name again? It's it's Arto, but it's spelled A R T H A U D. It's French. Arto. Arto is how a French person would say it, but I don't. It doesn't matter. Arto. I'm just Arto. Like okay. your toe, my toe. Arto. I got Arto. It. It's a good name if you're a painter. And I lived in France for a few years, and and they loved it. Oh, I bet they did. <laughs> they called me Ronald Paul Arto. My name is Ron. <laughs> it's like, ooh, I like that. <laughs> well, we're so glad you're here. We stopped by the gift shop, uh-huh. and I saw your work, and I... And then I couldn't pull her away from it. I She's like, who is this artist? This is amazing. <laughs> it's just, it's a, a little bit impressionistic, abstract. And then I grabbed Steve, and I said, you got to come see this yeah, artist. Well, thank so you. Tell us a little bit about um, your background, and how you got into art, and how you got where you are. Okay, so I'm from the Midwest, a child of the 70s mostly, and in Minnesota, they had really good art back in the day. I mean, when I was in middle school even, they had, we had dark rooms, we had pottery, we 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 had so much stuff. But I was the last of seven kids, so all the others had kind of had their niche, and I was like, oh, what am I gonna do? And my oldest sister, who's still alive, she was the artist. I mean, she was really good. But anyway, I, my high school art teacher was great, and I, but I had no clue. I, th- I wanted to be a forester or something. I wanted to be outdoors. I just knew I wanted to be outdoors and get out of the s- suburbs. And then I just didn't know what else to do, and all my friends were going to college, so I went to Duluth a little. A little it was just part of the University of Minnesota. But they had a great art department, and it was real open and easy. And so I just, I really got into it for four years, but it was, I always was drawn to nature, and I was drawn to like Nebraska. My my family was originally my parents were from Nebraska, and we we wouldn't take vacations, but we would always go to Nebraska, and and my whole family we just we love that peace and the you know it's like Nevada, but anyway, so I just went to Duluth, and I was pretty abstract because I I didn't know I mean I was drawn to the landscape, but I just didn't know there were landscape painters. I didn't know anything about that. And I remember there in the little museum in, in my college, they had John Singer Sargent. You know who Sargent is? Yes, There was oh, a, a couple little sketches of his. And then and it was kind of derided, dur- but there was a show of the Canadian Mountain Police that came down from Canada. You know, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, a, who was the poster artist um, uh, did the, the post covers? Anyway, it was very... Oh. Re- uh, I know who you're talking about, anyway, too, I can't... But they were very realistic, and, and all the students kind of like poo-pooed them. But I just thought, man, that person can really paint. I mean, there was 
quality there. Yeah. You know, they were kind of, you know, kind of... Uh, they were homesy. Homesy. They were the mounted police on a horse. But the, the landscape, the horses, the everything was just like, wow, that guy. But it's just like, I didn't know anything about landscape painting. And so I graduated. I was going get to get a loft in the Twin Cities and become a painter, an abstract painter. <laughs> but so my oldest sister, who was really good, she had gone off to California for like a decade or more and didn't do art. She, she came back to, to um, go to this school called, I don't know if you've ever heard of Richard Lack in the Twin Cities. It's called Classical Realism. He's dead, but there's a whole bunch of branches of his schools that started. And so anyway, my sister has never driven a car, and I had just graduated, so I drove her to see this school in Minneapolis. It was, it was run by a couple women that were Mr. Lack's students. And I just, I just couldn't believe the, the quality and, and the abilities that these people... I had no... I didn't, it, it, the, the work didn't hit me like this, but, but their academic ability was... The skill level. The skill level. Yes. Uh -huh. And so I just thought, wow, I... I wouldn't even know how to do that kind of stuff. I mean, I didn't care for the work. I felt it was kind of cold and stylized. And, you know, it, anyway, that's another story. But anyway, but I thought, okay, what's the best thing to do when you finish school? Go back to school. So I, I went for three more years to this. It was very serious. It was full time. And, uh, and it was humbling because the first year, all you could use is pencil and charcoal. No color, no paint. And you had to go back to the basics. So the first thing we did, you did figure drawing every day, but we had to take these classical casts that you see, like baby Jesus, and there's, you know, the, the, the um, oh, what are those famous heads? And, anyway, they had all these casts that you used to see back in Europe. Mm -hmm. the class. And so we, we would do these cast drawings, and I remember the one I did, it took three months, four hours a day for three months. You, you take vine charcoal and you sharpen it to like a needle fine point, and you're just, it's just like, you're trying to, you set it up under artificial light and it's very controlled. But, but the, the, the thing they said was, we're peeling back the scales on your eyes so you can see. And there's truth to that. To me, it, it was a truthful thing. Because they, they, even though they were very academic, they believed in impressionistic scene. Like um, Velasquez, you know, the mm -hmm. Spaniard and, you know, Monet and all those other artists. It, they they kind of felt it started with Velasquez. If you look at those famous paintings of his, there's one little thing that's in focus, but everything else is kind of a blur. Because they, they realized, he realized, many people realized, that the eye can only focus on one thing, everything else. If you look at, if I look at that chair, I see everything else, but it's a blur. So that, that's their theory, is not everything is going to be hard-edged throughout the painting. You'll have maybe just one thing or a couple highlights. But anyway, so, so it was very interesting. And uh, so I spent three years there. You were supposed to go four, but there was an old landscape painter that taught, and I just said, all I want to be is a landscape painter. He said, well, you've been here long enough to, to be a landscape painter. You just have to go out. You just have to do it, because it's a whole different. You learn to see in their method, but to paint a landscape, it, it's, are you a landscape painter? Or are you a painter? Uh, well, I actually, Portraits are a lot easier for me. Is that right? Which is, I'm just which is unusual. <laughs> I know. It's different, yeah. But, <laughs> but I taught school for 24 years, okay. and I looked at all this, these sweet faces, you know, yeah. that I knew my subject. Yeah. So, oh, oh, you lived it. Yeah. yeah. But, so I have a question for you about what you were saying. So you were taught classical realism, but they leaned toward impressionism. Well, they, they they really appreciated like Sargent. You know, he's oh, not an Sergeant, impression. Of course. He's okay. he's no more academic, uh, but but um, 
But they, they, the, the, what they liked about the Impressionists is they took their easel out and they painted what they saw. Sure. And, okay. uh, and, and, uh, and so for me, the challenge has been all these years. I mean, I finished in 84, you know, 87 from that school. And it, it you know, I, I really liked it because it was really dogmatic in a way. I mean, they, they were strict. And, and the students actually were more strict than Mr. Lack, the, the, the guy that started it. Because I took a class from him and, and it, it's, he, he would look at every artist and he would say something different. And it wasn't, it wasn't just cookie cutter. He was very open to who you were, whereas his students kind of took it all in and they kind of, in my opinion, kind of made it more dogmatic. But what I do appreciate is that it, it, it was very strict and maybe dogmatic. Because, you know, you, you get these, these different skills or things you learn if they get watered down, you don't learn a lot. You know, you, you, everybody's trying to, whatever. It's just, so they, they had a very specific, you know, vision. And it was funny because they, they actually published a book and, and they had all the, um, the painters that, I wouldn't say, they were just like the no-no painters. And they had like de Kooning, who was always one of my favorite. I mean, so I learned, well, as soon as I got there, I thought, okay, I have to keep my mouth shut because because I love all this stuff. Well, and I, I went to a college, and a lot of these, like, like my teachers were my age. They'd gone four years of this very academic, you know, fairly rigid thing. And so, and I had a whole different experience, and I came to it, and I just, and I appreciated what they did immensely. I mean, I mean the truth is I can't get rid of it. I mean, I want to get looser and more free, and I'm sure if they saw my work, they probably, it, it doesn't fit that mold as much so it's it but I, I cannot I cannot look at something and not try to paint what I see I mean it's it's so ingrained you know the color and the and the values and all that stuff I mean I don't paint those that style quite like them but but it's just it becomes you just can't shake it and and, and like so I left Minnesota after that school because if you go to the if you go to the galleries and say oh I'm a student of Richard Latt they just say there's the door because there were so many people that came out of that. I mean, they were coming from all over the country really? to go to that school. Because he, it's just, he, I mean, he, this Mr. Lack, he started like in the 50s. And, and it was downtown Minneapolis. It was this incredibly hip part of town. And he just stayed fast with his ideas. And he just, he just, you know, went through all that period of abstract expressionist, everything that was happening. And he just, you know, taught for, you know, generations. So... So anyway, that's how I ended up there. It was my sister who, who wanted to go back, and she did go back, and, and it didn't really work out for her, and, uh, and I stayed. <laughs> and, then, and then eventually, so I, I, I don't know how much you want to hear, I, I, I left, and, and the thing is when you're a student, I find, you know, you, 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 gotta, you have like this little cell you share with a mate, and then you got all these students around, and it's very competitive. It's not even the teachers. It's the other students that push you because the teachers kind of come and go and they give you critiques. But this, you know, the students, you're you're comparing yourself and it's competitive, you know, in a, in a good way. And so, you know, you're doing your best work as a student because you're 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 um, surrounded by all these really good artists, do, you know, very serious. Then you're off, sent off into the world. And it's like, oh man. So I, I, I landed in Colorado for half a year to try to paint landscapes and it was so hard 
Because number one, I was doing this academic stuff in a controlled environment. And suddenly I'm out with my paints, you're, you're dealing with you know, bugs and nature and just the physical equipment is, is huge. And so like after three months, it started, it started to click. I, did, I had stacks of these little paintings I was doing. I would just go out and paint all day long. Just like four by sixes? Just, yeah, they were just matte board, gessoed. Yeah, I still have a bunch of them. But they were just, truly, they were miserable. They were miserable. <laughs> and then finally it started to mm -hmm. click. And I used to ski, and I, and I was living in Winter Park. It was a ski area. And I, and I thought, I never skied in the mountains. I thought, oh, just be a ski bum for a winter. But it, it was clicking. I thought, I can't, I cannot stop. So I was so naive. I thought, well, I'll, I'll go to the desert where it's warm. So I, I drove to New Mexico, and they just laughed at me. They said, this is just as cold as, because it's high desert. I mean, I didn't know. I'm, I thought, oh, it's desert. It's got to yeah, be warm. Yeah, but there's no snow. <laughs> oh, well, it was like Taos. They just, oh, okay, there's snow. Yeah, Santa Fe. Anyway, but it was funny, because two different galleries, one in, Ta I think it was Taos, and one in Santa Fe. I showed them my work, and they were nice. And I was saying, oh, I just want to be an outdoor painter. And, they, and two different places said, go to Mendocino, California. Do you know Mendocino? It's Northern California. It's like 150 miles north of San Francisco. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So I just drove there, ended up there for three years. And it was a great little artist community. And they were open and supportive. And there was an art center there that was kind of struggling. And so I organized a whole bunch of figure drawing groups and stuff. And, it was really, and, and people just were so encouraging, and uh, anyway, it, it, <laughs> so I spent three years there, did some shows, you know, I, I, was, I, I was pretty broke, so I had to work at a, at a bed and breakfast for like a year, and then somebody said, had a little gallery, said, do you want to do a show? Somebody had dropped out and said, do you want to do a show in two months? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had all these little paintings, and I framed them. And to me, it was a huge success. They were like 200 bucks a piece, and I, I sold a ton of them. So I quit my job just like that, thinking, I, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it now. But, you know, it, it wasn't that easy. But <laughs> so I spent three years there, and then, and then I was getting kind of, it, it was a wonderful community, but it, it was a little bit small. Anyway, I just wanted, I just, and I, it was wet. It's Northern California, it rains six months a year. And so I, I, I thought, okay, I gotta find somewhere where I can. So anyway, I moved to France for like three years, from, from there to France. And then I spent three years there, and, and then I ended up in Tuscarora. From so Did you have your family with you in France? No, no, I wasn't married yet. Okay. I, um, I'm 62, and my wife and I, she's a little bit, bit younger. So we, we got together in Tuscarora, basically. Oh, okay, okay. So she came along later. But France was wonderful. It was just. I, I just lived in a little like Tuscarora, it was just this little country place with n nothing. I mean, just nothing, a little stone ruin. I rented for like 150 bucks. It was probably 300 years old, didn't have heat. God, this is all so romantic. We should so romantic. We should make a movie out of this. You know? but anyway. Were you doing plein air? I was doing, I, so I, I was in, in these galleries in Mendocino and they were doing pretty well because I was, I was it's interesting because I, so I'm in California painting the coast, painting the redwoods, and, 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 and so people, you know, people want what their landscape is. They want, yeah. a, they want what they know. So I was doing pretty well there. Then I moved to France, and, and there was all these Francophiles there. The people, I mean, people have a romance about France. So I'm doing these French countryside paintings, and I'm shipping them to sell, and, and it, it went pretty good, you know, I, anyway. And then, and then things kind of fell apart in France. My house was sold that I was renting, mm -hmm. and... I left everything behind thinking I'd go back and I just couldn't get back. It just, it was too hard. 
And so I go back to Mendocino. It was one of those rainy winters where it's just the horizontal rains for months. <laughs> and that's when I headed, I headed uh, back to the desert. I headed to New Mexico. And then I heard about Tuscarora via somebody, a friend. And, uh, and so I just, I bought this ruin of a house. I saw it, but barely. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, there was a mine in Tuscarora in the 1980s. There, you know, it was a gold mining town, and then in the 1980s, a mine came in, and there was a little, a little, a little lake called the Glory Hole. It was only like an acre, and so that's kind of where the gold, kind of they felt, was centered. So they started to enlarge this; it became a big open pit. They basically were going to bulldoze the town, and and the town fought them. I mean, there was Dennis Parks, who was the potter, and he's he's actually, you know, really well known. And he just knew a lot of the right people, so it was really bad publicity too for for Nevada. And the truth is, I don't think there was gold there anyway. But nonetheless, you know, you get stockholders, you invest, you know, it, it just keeps working. But there was, there were, anyway, they shut the mine down. And so the mine owned a bunch of little properties, and mine, mine was one of the properties. And because I was not part of Dennis Parks or the town, I was an outsider. I didn't know anybody. Because if you were, said, oh, I'm a friend of Dennis Parks, the mine would have probably hung up on you. Cause because was, there was a lot of animosity, because mm -hmm. there was court cases and stuff. Sure. But I was an outsider, even though I was an artist. And he said, sure, the brick house, yeah. Uh, I want, he wanted 12000 I, I said eight. I had just done a sh little show. And I had wait, wait, what year was this? This was in 1994. Oh, that's pretty five. good. Yeah. For that. So he said 12000 uh -huh. and I said eight. I, got, I have 8000 that's all I had. <laughs> and then he says ten. And then I, and then we talk, and, he's, and he finds out I'm a painter. So okay, here's the deal: eight thousand in a year. Within a year, you give me two paintings. Well, he didn't know I could have been, whatever, <laughs> Thomas Kincaid. But uh, uh, anyway, so that's what we did. It was, but it was a ruin. It had no power, no water, no nothing. And and, uh, and one of my friends came and said, oh, "Oh, you didn't buy a house. You bought a movie facade. Because once you <laughs> tore down everything, everything that was no good, all you had was this wonderful brick facade and and a couple walls." And my wife came from Santa Fe, and and, and that's where the state of it of it. So we, the first thing I did is I dug my outhouse. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't for looks. It was like we need it's for needs. <laughs> we, but it was it was wonderful. I mean, it was wonderful. So do you have plumbing now, or? Do you oh yeah, everything. In fact, okay. I built it to code. I mean, it just, and I didn't know a lot about building, but I wanted to build, so I learned a lot, and okay. a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I was uh, interested when you said you did plein air painting and you were moving around the country because what I've noticed coming from the Midwest. I got out here and it was like, oh my gosh, the light's so different, the oh. color's so different. Oh. I need, I need at least a year to figure out how the light's going to affect the color and how that's going to. Oh. And it took me like seven years before Is that right? I started painting do you, outside. Do you do go out though. You yeah, do. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But and the light changes, as you know, as a plein air painter, no matter where you are, it changes so dang fast. So fast. Yeah. No, and that's. I mean, my little method is. You know, ideally, I mean, now we're in town a lot because I still have a, a 12 and an 18-year-old, mm -hmm. so we're in town a lot. But when I'm there and doing what I do, you know, I get up at sunrise, which is early, and I, I paint like an hour, and then I, I move and paint for another hour. They're, diff they're different paintings, and I, I mark the time, I, I mark the spot, and uh, I usually write where it is because sometimes I forget. You know, like it's third, third humble over the big rock, and you know, just, and then so I go back. You know, multiple times. Sure. But if you go back after a two-week period, 
the season has changed, the light has changed. Yes. So, and you change, you, you change emotionally within that time. And I think that affects the pain. So it's just, but it's just trying to, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it, it, and it's changed. But like you were saying, it took you seven years and, and for, I bet you for 10 years, I never painted the mountains because they were so intimidating, so yes. beautiful, so sublime. And, it, and I, I loved them, but I just like, I, I can't do it. So I would do little vi townscapes, you know, pictures of town with a little bit of the mountain and that. And then what's happened for me lately is like, so we're in Elko now. We bought another old house, <laughs> fixing it. And, uh, and, and I used to love to paint urban stuff. I, I still love it. I, I mean, visually, I, I'm just constantly I don't know like you as a painter and you are a photographer you just uh, it's all about seeing you know you could yeah. be having a conversation it's like oh wow look at what that light's doing right there oh but anyway yes I've done that I mean, before oh oh just like I mean I, I could stare at these chairs endlessly because the lights yeah. you know there's stuff yeah. happening yeah yeah so I you know I painted urban scenes forever and I just I now I've started to paint the mountains in Tuscarora I, I love that there's that peace and the I mean, it's like it's like they hum. There's like there's like there's a hum to the earth, the hills, and 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 and, and it took me a while. I mean, I'm still a beginner. It's so humbling. I mean, I try to paint these big paintings of just the hills and the mountains, and it's you know there's little fragments that I like, but overall it's they're nowhere near. <laughs> you don't. Your work does not look like a beginner at oh, all. Oh well, but no. <laughs> but it's just I you know it's I think that's any artist or musician or whoever if you think you've got it you're in trouble That's and, I, true. and I don't think I got it and I know I don't have it and I can look at a little fragment and I say and I can't be conscious of that painting but I look at that and I say oh that's what I want you know and for me as Steve was asking you wanted to ask about brush strokes I mean that's that's kind of what you know you know, oh, your brush strokes. Well, oh, I well, love your brush strokes and your layers. Yes. Yep. But it's just, layers. it's interesting because it's just, uh, and I, I'm not unique as a plain air painter. I mean, a lot of plain air painters have, their palette has becomes very minimized because you can't haul all that crap and yeah. colors. So I just use the primaries. That's sure. it. Just two blues, two reds, two yellows, and a white. That's it. Then. That's it. Yeah. And they tend to be a warm, cool kind of thing. And I mean, if you want to know the technical, it's just, I use Utrecht white, which is a mix of zinc and titanium because it's, it's warm, but it's durable. Whereas zinc, zinc was cold and, but durable, but titanium, if you look at old paintings in museums, chances are it was titanium because they're all cracked. They're like the skies and the clouds, mm -hmm. the flesh. It's, it's, from what I understand, it's a weaker paint and zinc is a stronger mm -hmm. paint, but it's cold. So they, they do the mix. So I like that. And I use... I use usually a, a, a pale, like a um, Hansa yellow or a pale, pale yellow cadmium, and then cadmium medium, which is a dark yellow, and then cad red medium, alizarin crimson, phthalo blue, and ultramarine blue. Yep. And that's all I use. And a lot of painters use that. A lot, a lot of painters throw in, uh, I, had a, I had an Indian yellow and I had a, a sap green in the early days, but the problem is you, you go to those colors because you go out, you know, and I, I, use, I do teach still some. But I always tell people, I said, you only have this to choose from. So if I'm looking at this table, what's the first thing you see? Okay, it's yellow and it's white. So that's all you have. You, you take that and you mix it and it's like, okay, what's wrong with it? Okay, you got to cool it down. You have two blues. Which blue makes the most, you know, it's very, mm -hmm. right. it's very sense. It's just, to me, it's, it's like he's on a typewriter. Eventually you don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. So what am I, where was I going? Uh, but anyway, so, so that's how I paint. So what's happening for me now, which is interesting, it's just like, in a way, I want to be 
I want to be less of a of an artist. I want to just I want to paint what I see, but I don't I don't I don't want so much of me in it. I I just want the landscape to express. You know, like I said, the earth hums. There's this. You know, I wouldn't use the word spiritual, but it, there's a wonderful power to that land. I mean, you go out and photo. I saw some of your photos. I mean, you're out there. You're doing the star thing. I mean, it's 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 powerful. And 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 if you get too into uh, t technique or something, you could lose that feeling. But then, as an artist, you know, you do have to have your approach. You know, you, I don't want to do cookie cutter sage. I, you know. I mean, what, what is realism? What is real? What is real? You know, for me, one of the best artists is Cezanne, because he, he was the first one that went out and he painted the atmosphere. I mean, he understood that you cannot, you cannot paint this, you know, in isolation. It's everything around it, the, the, the reflected light, everything. And to me, Cezanne got that. And, you know, there's still white of the canvas, because he, he, you know, he would reach a point and He'd get this, you know, and for years I didn't understand his work at all. But as I became more of a painter, I, I get it. And, and he lived in, in, in Provence where they have all these dark pine trees. Wow, that's a hard thing to paint. I mean, they're just, they're dark. They don't catch the light. It's just... It's Do you ever have to sacrifice your soul for commercial success? Uh, because you're, you're a full-time artist. I am mostly, yes. Um, yeah, that's, you know, I, I mean, I, by nature, I'm a people pleaser, so I, I think that's inherent. But I'll, I mean, I'll paint things and my wife will see them and say, you know, there'll be something quirky. And it's like, I, I had to paint it, it's just so beautiful, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a pile of trash or something. And, uh, but, yeah. Well, it's not a pile of trash to you. No, it's, But it may no, not sell, No, what I was getting at. No, and that's, you know, like, that's what I see in Elko. If I were to paint Elko, I don't want to, number one, I don't want to drive to the Rubies because it's a lot of driving, but all these little funky alleys and weird buildings, I mean, there's, to me, it's just, it's this wonderful abstract, but they probably wouldn't sell, or it's, uh, it's a slow sell, it takes time. So it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, no, it's interesting. Did you see the um, bear, the, the, um, the Native American, did you watch any of the films, what was his name? Uh, 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 he was yesterday. Uh, anyway, th he's a he's a poet. Oh, the film they had yesterday. I yeah, didn't yeah. see it, but I saw it was. Uh, uh, I forget his name. It was wonderful. I did not know him. He was the first Native American to win the Pulitzer Prize for for, for a novel. But he, he he I loved some of his lines, and some people would take offense. But somebody was he was quoting a, a, a writer, and I can't remember who it was. He, a, and the question is, who do you write for? Same, who do we paint for? And, 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 and the person said, well, I don't, I don't write for myself because that would be self-serving. I don't write for the audience because that would be pandering. And then the third thing he says, I, I paint, I, 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 you know, he's writing, not painting. He said, I write f for the stuff that just has to come out. I mean, he's not analyzing, he's just, it has to come out. You know, there's something in him that has to come out and, and, and he's, not, he's not being cerebral about it. It just has to come out. And to me as a painter, you know, like somebody at the Folklife Center, they had a, uh, the artist that was going to be in the main gallery. I think something happened and they d couldn't show up. And so, so this fellow, I, I, I said, Ooh, I mean, me as an artist, I want to show anywhere I can. Yeah. I mean, I love to show and I love the pressure. And, and I said, oh, I would have loved to put up a show. I mean, I probably didn't have to work. And I said, well, the problem is I don't paint cows and horses. And he goes, well, you live in Tuscarora. You're surrounded by them. But it's like, 
that's not my story. Mm-hmm. I, I don't ride a horse. I don't. I, right. It's not my story. Yeah. I mean, I could, it could become my story, but it's not my story. So why am I going to paint a horse? Because it's not my story. It's not my history. It's like you know, they're beautiful, but it's not my. It's not my history. <laughs> you mentioned Cezanne yeah. and the layers and the atmosphere. And what I've seen different types of art and some artists have such a, like, here's an orange, this is so clear. All of this is orange. Now red is right next to it, nothing mixed in. And when I saw your paintings, I said, oh, Steve, I paint like him, not at yeah. your level, Yeah, but, not, but it's like, I have to do different layers because oh, yeah. anything you look at, there's layers there. It's not like, right. well, here's the orange and here's the green, right. and if right. you mix it, and if you use the opposite oh, turquoise yeah. blue with yeah. the orange, that's <laughs> going to be really pretty, and that's going to sell. That's going to sell, yeah. especially Southwest. But the layers, everything has so many layers. layers. And so, the like the last piece I did, I put, um, it was just with markers. Uh-huh. I just used markers and got it. It was quick. With color, but, though. But I put like olive green in the sky because it was in my right. cliffs and reflecting up there. Oh, yeah. And, you yeah. know, and so I have all these different layers. And I love that. But you also explained, which I told Steve, I said, look at the skill level. So that's your classical realism. Probably. You taught. And then you went so above that to get that abstract, yeah. that abstraction with and expressionism with all those different layers of color. Yeah, and that's not something they taught. It, it, it just, I mean, you look at something, you look at those cedars out there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, they're, they're not just, they're not green. And, right. <laughs> you know, you can start with green, but then it's like, okay, then the red has to come in. And as two mm-hmm. red, then you cool it. It's just, you know, it's the layers. Yeah. And, okay. and then my, my, it's not a secret. It's not, but it's just, so I have that very limited palette and, mm-hmm. and I've, try to not mix on the palette, I try to mix on the painting. So, so I'll look at the colors and I'll, I'll, okay. I'll have a loaded brush and I try to use big brushes, but I, I k- try to keep the bro- brush loaded with multiple colors and you get happy accidents, you know? And so the visual yeah. mixing happens on the canvas, you know? People will mix a color, let's, let's get this sage green and, it, and it's like, wow, that's dead. You put it on, you, you got sage green, but there is no such thing as sage green. And, and so if you get a loaded brush, you know, you, you, ah. you know, generally you have to stand back from paintings like that. And, and then the visual mixing happens. You'll have, you know, you'll have red and blue and then you stand back and it becomes purple. And so that's, I mean, that's what I'm after. But sure. it, it's not, I can't be, I mean, I'm probably, it's just, it's a muscle memory now, but I, I don't want to be conscious of it painting. And you, your skill level has to be really high for that, or you're going to end up with mud, which yeah. I, was in, I was in mud for like 12 years probably, no. you know. No, I think, I think if, if when I look at my paintings, I think they're too bright, uh, or gar- not garish, but bright. But, you know, I, I try to paint what I see. And, uh, That's awesome. And, when, and it, it's, it is like, you know, this desert light is so powerful. Yeah. I mean, winter you can paint all day because the light's low and it's rich. But in summer, by 9.30 or 10, it's just like the light's pretty glaring. I mean, it's still beautiful, but it, it just doesn't have that. I mean, oh, man, winter is just, oh, man, the pain in the winter. And, <laughs> just, and the colors of snow, it's like, wow, you know, with those cobalt blues and stuff. So anyway, <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because it's just, y- you, you want to be a painter, but you got to, you know, you, 
when I teach, I tell people, you know, you, you, you emulate people you like. You have to look at things that you like. But it's like your handwriting. It's, it's, everybody's handwriting is different. So your paint strokes, your paint method will be different if you're honest with yourself. I mean, you have a, a dexterity that's unique to you. And so you just, you know, you just work with it. <laughs> Where do you teach? Because your town has like four people. Uh, uh, I used to teach at the college a little bit, but not so much because they don't have so much art anymore. Sometimes I'll do a workshop here and there. Uh, do you do online workshops? I know no, that's real popular. No, I, I'm not a known painter. I mean, I, uh, anyway, I, I, sometimes I teach for people I know, but it's, 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 you know, you have to travel and it's, I mean, it's interesting because like they have all these plein air competitions, mm -hmm. you know, all they over do, the country. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of my friends are in that plein air painters of America. I mean, they're, they're some, somewhat prestigious, you know, but I'm, I'm not that painter. I'm, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> provincial and I, you know, so it was funny when I when I moved here, I still had a gallery in Mendocino. They wouldn't sell in Mendocino, so it was just like all of a sudden I had a, a good gallery in Mendocino and just went because nobody gets the desert. If you oh, if you're oh, in the yeah, desert, selling right. in Mendocino, forget that's it. That's right. No, it's just and people. I mean, people love the desert. I mean, people that whether they grew up here or not, if they've lived here, it, it grows on you. I mean, are you where are you from originally? From from, well, I was born in California, but then okay. my dad moved me to, to the Midwest, Missouri. Oh, okay. When I was in the second grade, and I lived there until like seven years ago. Oh, my. So you were Midwest. You I know Minnesota. Green and humidity. and. We would go to La Crosse, Wisconsin for the summer. My grandparents lived up there. Is that right? So, so it was I kind of... Minnesota, the yeah. Midwest. And yeah. Yeah. The desert. So that's why I said, you know, I was just painting the walls of my house. And I picked out this kind of a gray-brown color and put it on there. I'm like, oh, this is so different when the light hits this. Oh, yeah. Now it's now it doesn't look the way it would have looked in the Midwest. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to study this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you have to study the landscape and get out. And I'm a hiker too, and Steve's a hiker, oh. so you get out there and the sun, the sun hits as you know, the land. And five minutes later, it's so different. Oh gosh! The shadows and the colors. And no, that's what so I like about here. this. Yeah. Like I like I was in Winter Park, where it's they're all timbered mountains, and there's a softness to them. But here, it's just like what you're saying. It changes like that because yeah. it's hard, and and they're not absorbing the light like the trees. And it's just, it's just like, it's just it's so powerful and. Uh, so when you do your plein air, and you said you do it, like, you can even do it over several several days, but you try to get to the same spot and the same angle of the sun, the same oh, yeah, light, yeah. all of that. Um, do you work on getting your form in, or are you just thinking about the coloring, getting the color? No, it's the abstract. It's the, the abstract, drawing. The drawing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have this method, and mm -hmm. I show people what I do, and it, 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 to me it's not it's not unique or magic. Mm -hmm. A lot, but I, 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 I have an acrylic gestoed canvas, linen, mm -hmm. and I love to just start with cadmium red, washed down like a watercolor. So I just do a drawing. Mm -hmm. I just start drawing it and just, you know, I figure out what I want and then things, you know, you, you figure out what's the important thing, mm -hmm. what's the story. And then, and then, 
you, you get that in and then the rest of it, you know, you, you think you want that, but it doesn't fit. So things kind of just morph into sure. the painting. And the nice thing with this watered down red, uh, you can just take a paper towel or you can take a brush, you can erase it and wipe it and move it and just, so I'll start with the drawing. And, and if I'm feeling warmed up within 10 minutes, I'll start painting. But if I don't feel warmed up or if it's a complicated scene, I'll, I'll spend that hour of just the drawing, just, you know, and again, it's the academic comes in, even in the land, in just the raw landscape. We did this method of site size. It was an academic method where you would, you would literally grid things with rulers and plumb lines, and it becomes set into your head. So I, I cannot not look at something with that grid. And so if I'm doing especially an urban scene, it's like, where does that line over here meet up with that line here? And where does that line, you know? It, sure. And so, and to me, that is so much fun. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mental challenge to, to get the shapes right and to paint what you see. You know, it's, it's my thing, and I don't, you know, I would not profess that is what you have to do <laughs> to anybody, but it's fun. And then once you got the drawing to what you like, it, then yeah, then the color comes in, and that's so much fun. Just, you know, how do you get that color? It's just so much fun, you know. And and you you do get to know your colors, so you don't even have to think about it but it like you were saying you, you you can't just paint that red apple you have to build it up with layers I mean yeah you can you know Picasso painted a red apple and it was a red apple but <laughs> that's a different thing so, but yeah it's just color I mean I I look at this rug and it's just like oh okay well how do I make that color you know it's just fun it's yeah. just fun and it's it's just yeah it's like scales on a on an instrument you just you go through the scales, you learn the scales, and then, then they become your tools, and you don't have to think about them. I mean, I always envy musicians in particular more than artists, because they've learned the same things as we as painters learned. But then they get to go on the bandstand with other hopefully good players, and then they push each other. We as artists, you're kind of out there alone, but when you see a, a, a good musicians and somebody's you know, they're prodding them to go beyond. And wow, we don't seem to, I don't think we have that. Maybe we do, but I mean, you can go out painting in groups, but I find it becomes too social. I don't know, personally. <laughs> do you I'm, think uh, problem solving is involved in art? Uh, problem solving. Problem solving is making a living in art. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not the issue, you, you just do, but yeah, problem solving. I mean, it, all that is problem solving, but I don't think, I wouldn't think of it as a problem. It's just, it's just the process. It's the process solving. <laughs> it's not a problem. I mean, the problem comes, I mean, it's a real problem. If you, you do a lay and, and, it, and if it just doesn't feel right, you got a problem. If, 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 if it doesn't spark like that, if you or if, if you just want to, I mean, I, I do this all the time. I, I don't want to waste my time, so I go out to paint, and I'll pick something that isn't, you know, doesn't quite spark it. And, and I'm, I, I can do it, I can do it. Well, it, 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 it's a problem. If, if the laying isn't good, if it just doesn't click, it's a problem. It's a, difficult. Mm -hmm. and, and you can beat yourself up trying to save it. <laughs> oh, that's uh, true, and I think a lot of beginning painters do spend a lot of time yeah. problem solving problem. as I can attest to you know yeah no it's, I, I love teaching like people that don't paint a lot because they can be so honest and then you get somebody that knows too much and they mean well but 
they, they're just stuck in their head and it's just like you got you got to trust yourself at some point and uh, and there's a I don't know who told me this story and I I'm totally guilty of it because you, you even I could show you where my wife says, why do you always show the negative, the crit criticism, it's, it's your work. It's like, well, I see, you know, here's the good, here's the bad. Mm -hmm. But s somebody once said, every planar painter needs somebody behind him with a two by four. Because <laughs> you think you need to keep noodling it and fixing oh, it. Yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. And you've got to just, like I had one of my neighbors, he, he, they've, they've loved my paintings yeah. over the years. And he, he saw a cloud painting. He said, if you stop, I'll buy it. If you keep working on it, I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> and, he, and he was right. And, and for, but, you know, me and you as an artist, you just, boy, I could get that a little bit better. I could do, 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 do. And then, and then eventually you realize, you know, these are plain, plain air paintings. And they're not going to be perfect. The weather changed. Whatever happened, you, you just have to accept them. They're not going to be perfect. And... <laughs> Yeah. Do you use uh, mineral oil? Or mineral spirits. Mi just, that's just what I mineral. meant to say, yeah. mineral spirits. Yeah, I, I used to try to bring out oils and stuff like mm -hmm. linseed, but it's just too much stuff got in the way. So I just have a five-gallon bucket with mm -hmm. a strap. I have a PVC tube with two cans on it, and they're my turp holders, my mm -hmm. mineral spirits. I have little turp cups. Mm -hmm. I have a big palette. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been buying rosemary brushes out of England. And I use mineral spirits because the nice thing is you can you can save it and it sediments you know yes you just keep re it sure. kind of turns yellow but it, it's mm -hmm. fine and you know I I've, I paint outdoors and if I painted indoors I probably would switch to acrylic or something because it's it's you know I've had friends that are no longer here because they painted indoors with a lot of that toxic stuff and I mean they've they they aren't around anymore let's just really? say they make oils now that are quite good that are water soluble they're more expensive but they, they don't have there's still the smell of the oil but you've suddenly got rid of the um the the the, the, the vehicle the the oil the min mineral spirits which is really bad okay uh, well ron thank you so much okay. for talking with us today our You're next welcome. guest is here so oh, i hate to cut it short but no, I could, have talk, could talk to you for five oh, hours oh, oh my gosh for days and days and, about and our listeners will be very happy that we're, we just did a technical then we, we just did a, we, we talked a lot of heart and everything but we did yeah. the technical you yeah. guys talked um, about mixing paints and yeah. colors yeah, and awesome. so no. i judge that as technical i absolutely love your work well thanks thank you so much you're for welcome coming thank in. you thank Appreciate you it. sure no if you're walking out my that's my boot you know they did the boots here oh. that's your boot outside oh. that's tuscarora and uh okay. Na that's nancy's truck the woman you talked to the poet it was so funny. Go give this picture in front of the booth. Yeah. Okay. But here's, here's, the, here, here, here's the boot story, though. So, the, so Elko wanted to do this, you know, this thing for tourism. So they got these boots, right? It's like, well, you could have thought of something else. And, and so that they were going to give the, they found all these artists. And they tried to get you to do a boot. And they were going to pay you 300 bucks. Well, the paint and the varnish cost more than 300 bucks. <laughs> And I wasn't going to do it. I thought, I thought no, nah, I don't want to paint a boot. And, 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 and my wife is, usually she's more strict about where I should put my energies. She said, why aren't you going to do a boot? I said, I don't want to do a boot. She said, oh, everybody's doing a boot. It's like, so, okay. So I took the boot and I did a plein air painting with the boot. I, oh, I, did you do a plein air? I went out cool. to Nancy's trucks and I, and I actually had to do it twice. The first one I didn't like.
thanks to Jesse Veter for our music in this episode. The Art Box sponsors, thank you for listening. You can find us on Spotify and Amazon Music. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We welcome all comments. You can email us at artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Quiet songs, big ears, big heart. A girl needs a dog.